Welcome to the Tim Fowler Show, where production is paramount and we discuss the tools, time, and people associated with getting jobs done and making a profit. On today's episode of the Tim Fowler Show, we will be talking about breaking the gender barriers with the help of special guest Isabella Batik of Kinetic Lighting and Electric in Mill Valley, California. Alongside Tim Fowler, I'm your co-host, Steve Wheeler. Here is the Tim Fowler Show. Hi, everyone. Tim Fowler here, and welcome to another episode of the Tim Fowler Show. So I uh, just keep encouraging you to keep those ideas coming in. We've got uh, a couple that people have sent in that we're working on getting guests for. So uh, feel free to let me know. Uh, Tim at remodelersadvantage.com. So not long ago, a listener wrote me and, and was asking me for some business advice. And, you know, I don't write a lot. So I got her on a Zoom call and, uh, found out that she had found me through the podcast. So in conversation, I found out that she's a relative startup uh, company in the Bay Area of San Francisco. And I referred to our business coach, uh, Doug Howard, to see if there was anything that we could do for her through the business side of things. But those of you who are listening out there know I also said, hey, how about being on the podcast? So uh, we had a very, very interesting conversation about how she got started in the electrical uh, trade, uh, a little bit about some of the challenges of being a a woman in a male-dominated industry. And one of the most interesting things for me was just what she really likes as a trade contractor in a general contractor. In other words, who does she really like to work for? And so we're going to spend some time talking about that. So this this show today is not about trades. It's not about women in the industry. It's about a whole bunch of different things. And uh, hopefully uh, you'll find it as exciting as as, uh, I think I will, just because this great guest kind of popped into our universe. And so I just had to have her on and uh, just share some of that with you. So on a little bit different note, I wanted to comment that Steve and I uh, have made a commitment within the show uh, to work on diversity, okay? It's a big thing in our society right now. It's a desperate need uh, all over our country. Uh, So we're gonna make a concerted effort to bring a little more diversity to the podcast Uh, It's still going to be about production. It's still going to be about the skills gap, I'm sure. But we'd like to try to involve people from different backgrounds, whether it's ethnic, races, gender, across the whole board. So I'm telling you all that just to say, if you know somebody that would fit the type of show that we do, that has some of those qualities, uh, please let me know. We'd love to have them on. And again, just to bring a little bit of diversity to what we're doing, but also to the industry that we really love. So, Steve, let's go ahead and get started with this. All right. I'm excited to introduce our next next guest. 
Isabella Batig is an electrical contractor, lighting designer, and the owner of Kinetic Lighting and Electric based in Mill Valley, California. With an art degree from UC Santa Cruz, she originally started her business as a way to support herself while pursuing a myriad of other interests, mountain bike racing, wilderness search and rescue, and wood turning. Like many sole proprietors in the design and construction industry, she wasn't immediately willing or able to make the leap from electric, from electrician slash solopreneur to business owner and boss. However, several years ago, it dawned on her that running a business can be a creative pursuit in its own right. At that point, she redirected herself to her small company, and it has been growing by leaps and bounds ever since. Welcome to the show, Isabella. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So uh, I hope everybody, like I said before, I hope everybody enjoys this conversation as much as I've enjoyed getting to know you a little bit. Let's start like we do almost every uh, guest episode, part of the episode. Just tell us a little bit more about your company, maybe the dollar volume that you're doing, how many people you have on your staff, that sort of thing. Okay. So Kinetic Lighting and Electric actually started out as Kinetic Electric. Um, and then I've incorporated lighting into our offerings over the past half decade or so. Uh, we do projects of all sizes and types, but I think where we really shine, so to speak, is in the realm of uh, residential and specifically high-end custom home remodel. There's a lot of creativity involved um, in those projects. So I also do lighting design independent of the electrical install, especially for projects that aren't in the immediate San Francisco Bay Area. Um, lighting design is just something I started studying on my own as a way to be better at my job and fill in where I saw a need or a lack in the industry. Um, there's so often no lighting designer on a, a job. Uh, so I, I like to think that I offer my clients more than an electrician or an electrical contractor when they hire us. Um, as far as do dollar volume goes, we did over a half million dollar sales um, in uh, 2020. And mm -hmm. we've been experiencing a 35% growth year over year for the past three years. Um, and that's a trend I see continuing as we uh, get more jobs that are larger and more exciting for us to be involved in. And uh, the people that we work with have, you know, uh, more bigger and more interesting jobs to offer us. Um, I currently have four employees uh, plus assorted independent contractors and admin staff. And uh, yeah. Okay, great. So right off the bat, I just got to hear about the search and rescue stuff. You know, <laughs> like I said, this is going to be about a lot of different stuff. So any, any interesting story, how'd you get into that? And any interesting stories that you can tell about actually being involved in that? Yeah, well, so I got involved in search and rescue. Um, so I, I used to do a lot more backpacking uh, than I do now. And I still love to mountain bike. And one of the things that I noticed being out there was I do some pretty dangerous things with my friends. And sometimes I would wonder, I think m maybe because uh, my friends and I came across a guy who had broken his pelvis on a trail one day. And I thought to myself, 
could any one of us actually help the other if something were to go terribly wrong? And so then I pursued getting my certification in uh, wilderness um, as a wilderness first responder. So, which basically means you are um, more than a couple of hours away from advanced care. And so you need to improvise making splints out of sticks and figuring out ways to carry people out of the wilderness. Um, and so after uh, getting my certification as a wilderness first responder, I learned that there is actually a, uh, the Bay Area Mountain Rescue Unit, a wilderness search and rescue team um, that does wilderness search and rescue all over California. Yeah. Um, and it, it sounded like a great adventure <laughs> and a great way to learn more about things like high angle rescue. Um, you know, it was, it was a volunteer effort, but, um, I, it was kind of a part-time job in its own right. The amount of training it involves, because you really have to be very on it to be involved in a, in a group like that. Yeah. So I'm envisioning the helicopter lowering somebody onto a ledge where they've fallen off. Any, you ever done anything like that? It, it's funny that you bring that up specifically because one of my most exciting moments was um, we were on a search in Mendocino County and uh, my search partner and I were on foot searching for someone, a hunter who'd been lost for days. And <laughs> uh, we didn't find him, but it was sort of middle of winter. Um, it was getting late. And uh, the people running the search realized that many of us were so far out that we wouldn't be able to make our way back to base before right. dark. And that would, of course, endanger us. So they had to send out a helicopter to pick us up. Uh, and the first thing they told us to do was, okay, look for an LZ, look for a landing zone so that they can come pick you up. Well, we're in Mendocino County, which if you're familiar at all, is full of very tall trees. There were no clearings or landing zones so um, it was going to be improvising. And um, they told us we had very little time because the helicopter only has so much fuel to be circling around searching for these tiny little people down below. So um, they told us to give our coordinates to the helicopter pilots, which of course we fumbled like, oh, uh, how do we do that? We'd never done it before, but we figured it out. They spotted us and then they had to drop a cable, they had to hoist us out of there, out of you know the circle of trees. And they said it was the, they used all of their hoist cable, I think like 250 feet. Um, I am not afraid of heights. However, <laughs> as we were being hoisted, I thought, <laughs> oh, this isn't scary at all. But then suddenly we were sort of, you know, at the same height as the middle of the trees. And then we were above the trees. And when it got really scary or exciting, depending on how you look at it, was when we were just below the helicopter and you can feel the heat and you're just thinking, this thing doesn't even really belong in the sky. How is this <laughs> thing hovering here? And it's got our weight hanging below it. So yeah, that was pretty exciting. Oh my goodness. I knew this was gonna be a great episode. That <laughs> That is worth the whole time we're going to spend here talking about this. That's absolutely fantastic. And, and I just thank you for doing that because I know I've been out, you know, I used to do a lot of camping, a lot of hiking, that kind of stuff. I, I've been hurt a couple of times, never. So I had to get, you know, pulled out by anybody, but things happen. 
that, you know, yes, you just, nobody's foreseeing and you need somebody to come out and give you a hand. That's so fantastic. Okay. So let's get back to the main topic. I'm sure maybe everybody <laughs> wants to hear more stories, but we're here for a different reason. So before we get into a little bit more about your business, how did you even find this podcast as an electrician? What, what, I mean, are you just an avid podcast listener and you kind of flipping around and you saw it or how'd you find it? Yeah. So I listened to a few, a few podcasts, but um, in the past few years, I have been actively searching for information on how to grow and develop my business. And so I have been searching for podcasts online about um, how to run a business. And then specifically there, there aren't very many about the design and construction industry. Um, And then the ones that I did find were more geared toward general contractors or toward larger business businesses. And so I think the way that I found yours um, was someone had recommended to me to check out the remodeler remodelers advantage website. And then, and that linked to your podcast. And to be honest, this is not just, you know, blowing smoke, but it really seemed like the first one that actually spoke to me um, and that actually addressed things that I was concerned with as a specialty trade contractor. Mm-hmm. So I became an avid listener and, and then, you know, that's when I wrote to you and told yeah. you, this is great. Thank you so much. And how we got connected. Well, that's great. So, all right, you went to art school, you've hung from a helicopter, uh, <laughs> you've raced mountain bikes how did you get into the electrical trade and eventually become an electrical contractor? What was that journey? Uh, in the beginning, it was not at all intentional. Um, I was not seeking out electrical as a trade, um, but I do, I've always liked working with my hands and I wanted to find a way to support myself while I pursued a lot of other interests. And I'd always thought I'd get into woodworking, you know, finished carpentry or cabinet making. Uh, And then a friend of mine introduced me to an electrical contractor in San Francisco who just by chance happened to be a woman. But um, when he introduced me to her, the first thing I said was, do you need an apprentice? (laughs) (laughs) And she said, yes. So she hired me on the spot. And, um, you know, I, I took to the trade very quickly and naturally. I didn't know anything about it, um, but, but I'm sort of, I'm an introvert. Um, I like to work alone and kind of figure out, um, I've always said that I really like to untie knots, which is I think a really good sort of analog for what electrical work is because you sort of have to imagine, you know, where, how all the power is traveling and, you know, especially when it comes to troubleshooting or when it comes to laying things out. So. Um, I took to it very naturally, and um, that's how I got into it. Are you asking also how yeah, I started just then, business? Yeah, then you spent several years with this contractor and then decided you wanted to get into business for yourself, or what, what, right. what made Some, that jump? Su- yeah, so someone that I worked with suggested that I uh, pursue getting my license, and um, I it seemed like a lot of hoops to jump through. But at the same time, I thought, well, it would be a really nice way for me to be my own boss, be financially independent, 
and have the freedom to pursue my other interests that you've now heard about a little bit. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, so I did. I jumped through the hoop. I got my license. Good thing I'm a, I'm a good test taker. So, you know, I, I got through that whole process pretty quickly. Um, and then I actually did work solo for years, um, you know, taking care of all aspects of the business. Um, I hired helpers here and there, um, but I, I was very consciously not trying to grow the business. Um, I definitely had some general contractor friends who said I needed to tool up and, you know, start <laughs> and grow. And I think they just really wanted to see me do more, but I knew at the time that I wasn't ready to commit. And it, you know, I don't like to do something unless I know I can fully commit to it. Sort of the same way I did with um, search and rescue. Right. You know, I knew that it was gonna take a lot of time. So I didn't wanna do it until I felt ready. So it was the same thing with my business growing. Um, I just kind of kept it at a certain level of, you know, maintaining for a long time. Um, and then, you know, like you were saying, in, in the last couple of years, I, I realized that there is a sort of creative aspect to running a business. And I've been very inspired listening to other business owners and, and their approaches. And, you know, one of the things I've realized is that running one business is almost like running any other business. You know, we all deal with so many of the same right. types of things with clients and with the financial aspect. So, um, so yeah, I wanted to learn more about that and just get deeper into it. Yeah. So everybody out there listening, you can never say I'm a special case again. All right. Yeah. You've just been told basically we're all in business and it's very, very similar. And I, I wholeheartedly agree it, you know, it's a different craft, but the business part of this thing is, is the same across the board. So thank you for reinforcing something that uh, try to get across to a lot of business owners as we go. So you mentioned your friend, the general contractor. Okay. So uh, in our conversation, uh, you know, a, a little bit ago, we talked a little bit about what what do you like to see? The, the general contractors as a trade, who do you like to work for? What what types of people and what types of situations, I guess, do you like to work for? Because again, I, I'm going out a little bit out on a limb here, but I think what you like is going to be similar to a lot of trade contractors all over the country. And that's one of the hardest relationships right now is general contractor and trade contractor. And how do we get everybody working together more effectively? So let's just, I know you've got three or four of them you'd like to mention, but let's go ahead and just kind of start off with one of them. Let's talk about it a little bit, then we'll go to another one. So what do you like to okay. see in a general contractor? Yeah. Do you want me to name names or just kind of generally? If you, if you want to name names, you're more than welcome to. It's fine with me. Okay. Okay. So um, one of my favorite contractors to work for in the Bay Area is um, Axelson Builders. Hieronymus Axelson is the owner. Um, I really like a general contractor who is very organized. Um, you know, if they're bringing us into a project, um, you know, Axelson builders, they actually vet the client. They spend a lot of time with the client getting to know, you know, what they're after, what they want, um, you know, important that there is an architect and a designer involved and um, that they also have over the years built a team of their own amongst subcontractors so that, you know, they're kind of noticing personalities and they want 
other people involved in the project where everyone's going to work together because it is such a team process. Right. Um, it has to be uh, comprised of people who are capable of communicating with each other and not just forging ahead, doing their thing, only thinking about their piece of it, and then just sort of, you know, throwing wrenches into other people's parts of the job. Right. Um, and then the best is when they also have, you know, their own team of employees that my crew likes to work with that, you know, we look forward going to the job because we're like, these guys kick ass. They do incredible work. Um, we respect them. They respect us. There's not very much ego involved. And, you know, everyone is just involved, um, interested in getting the job done in the best way possible um, and yeah, interested so, in sharing ideas and communicating. And so you don't feel like you're the subcontractor. You feel like no. you're more, more part of that contracting team that, uh, yeah. what, what do they do? I, this is a, this is like kind of the follow-up, like, what do they do? If I was a general contractor and I wanted to develop that with my trade contractors, what, what would I do? How would I do that? Interesting. Uh, it takes time. I think just like hiring employees um, is a process of just kind of learning what personalities work together. But again, I think it has a lot to do with not having too much ego involved and realizing that even as a general contractor where, you know, the job sort of does belong to you. Right. Um, that it that you need to have other people's input um that you might want to make all the decisions but you know a project kind of works best when everyone is putting their heads together and trying to figure out what the best way is and just sort of understanding that you know changes are going to happen and and i think that a lot of that has to do with the general contractor also building that trust with the client right. so that the client doesn't think, why is this person dragging this job out? But they also realize that there's a process involved to achieving what their end goal is. So, so yeah. that's a great point. Now, when that, so that leads me to this question to say, when do you get engaged in a project? You're talking about a, a, a general contractor that wants your input that wants your ideas about how to make this thing work. Is that like, okay, everything's all framed up and now we're going to call Isabella and ask her for her opinion? Or when do you actually get invited into a project as the design, as the lighting designer, as the electrician? Yeah. So ideally um, they call us in long before the place has been demoed. You know, they've actually thought ahead they see the big picture. Um, they haven't already given a price for the electrical before consulting myself or another electrician. Um, that that's generally a sign for me that I might get lowballed if they're bringing me into a job where they've already committed to a price for the entire job. Right. Um, so you want to be able to. You want to be able to imp impact the job even before the contract is signed with the client? Yeah, ideally, because 
you know, there might be things that they hadn't considered. Um, I mean, I can give you an example, a, a job that I looked at not long ago where, you know, I, I arrived at the job, everything's been demoed, you know, they, right. they, they have ideas of what they want to do. And, you know, the first thing that happens when I walk in is I, I start asking questions, you know, well, what are the bigger plans? What does the bigger picture look like? And this was a general contractor who I didn't know hadn't worked with before. Right. Um, likewise, the homeowner. And so, um, you know, they might be, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if people are taken aback by the fact that I, I step in and I start asking a lot of questions before I start saying I have answers, but I would rather understand the big picture because one of my, one of the big thing, things that I always tell people is I don't want to do things twice and I don't want them to have to pay for things twice. Um, I want to understand the big picture and then approach the job from that angle. Um, you know, do an install with, uh, whatever their future um, ideas are, in, whatever ideas they have in mind for that place. Cool. So we can use Axelson as an example or uh, ways you've established relationships with other contractors, but do you like to meet them somewhere first, coffee, at their office, to get to know each other, share core values, or do you, you know, you start with the project and hope it works? Type of deal. Hmm. Uh, yeah, with Axelson, interestingly, we met um, through that first boss of mine, Lori Katz, um, was the electrical contractor who hired me the first time. And you know, she recently retired, and um, she introduced me to Axelson Builders. Um, and so I think that there was this feeling that that relationship was just going to work out because we had this. Uh, person that we knew in common that we both really enjoyed working with. Um, that's not always the case. Um, it, it, it often is the case that I will show up at a job, you know, meet that contractor for the first time, and then we'll work on the project together or not. Um, you know, it just depends on how, how it goes during that first meeting and whether it seems like we hit it off and we'll work well together. So like I said, there's things that I look for. Um, and you know, it, I've been in the trades now for 20 years, so I kind of know what to look for. And unfortunately, at the end of a lot of jobs in the past, what I would notice is, well, the project would start out, you know, everyone loves each other. And by the end, I would notice, <laughs> let's just call it friction between the general contractor and the homeowner. And I, I, I've been pretty good at staying out of that fray, but I notice it. And I try to take note of what is causing that. Um, and then I try to avoid <laughs> those kinds right. of things. So, yeah. so I usually, I, I can usually tell now from the beginning if things are heading in that direction. So you mentioned uh, one thing about uh, in our pre-show discussions about being pressured about the money. And uh, it's interesting because I'm gonna be doing a series of presentations on estimating and I've got a webinar coming up that is focused on, you know, did the estimator make a mistake or did the, the field staff make a mistake, the slippage that occurs? And I hear a lot of people say, we just got to get some money from our trade contractors. That's how we're going to balance the budget here. Tell us how you feel about a contractor coming to you and say, hey, I need you to give me back 5% or something like that so I can meet my budget. 
Yeah. Um, it, <laughs> again, with the, you know, sort of poor planning, I, I don't think that maybe, I guess I have experienced that. Um, and it's not, um, it's not great um, overall. Right. Um, no one likes to feel like they're working for free. Um, I think that there is always more to learn about estimating jobs on all sides. You know, for myself, I'm sure I have a lot to learn. So I can only imagine what it's like, the stresses that a general contractor experiences with, you know, estimating a job and trying to foresee what all the costs are that are going to be involved. Um, yeah, I'm not sure how to answer that question. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. That, that, that's fine. I, I think, I think the, the big point is that you got to work together on these things so mm -hmm. that it isn't like, I got to have some money from you to make my end work. My end should work mm -hmm. regardless. And, uh, that's the point I'm going to try to make across the board with uh, everybody as I talk in the future. So just uh, let's go back a little bit to that idea about being a, a woman owned business. And um, so what kinds of reactions do you get uh, from contractors or from homeowners or from people in general uh, as a woman that runs an electrical contracting business? So it, you know, it's possible that the San Francisco Bay Area is exceptional in this way, but um, in general, people have been thrilled to find a woman in the trades who owns her own business, is fairly yeah. articulate, um, detail-oriented. Um, you know, I have an aesthetic to offer, and I follow through. So I think, um, in general, people have been excited about that aspect. Um, and you know, the other thing is I, I'm not that uncomfortable in a male dominated industry myself because I've always been interested in things that are male dominated, whether it be <laughs> mountain bikes or woodworking or motorcycles. So, um, you know, a lot of my friends are men, a lot of my, you know, friends in the trades, um, you know, I, I think in general, the, the reaction has been, positive. Um, I do, it's not to say that I don't once in a while encounter people who are, you know, sort of dismissive off the bat. Um, that can go a couple of ways. Um, <laughs> either it either, well, you know, either it dissipates once we've had a conversation and they can see that I know what I'm doing and what I'm talking about, or, you know, they might be people that I just don't end up working with and, right. and that's okay. Yeah. And I think, I think part of the challenge of this business for the general contractor as well as trade contractors is, you know, being able to pick who you work with instead of just always chasing a dollar and saying, oh, it'll be okay, but it isn't and it doesn't end up okay, but having that freedom to do that. So we're going to wrap up here a little in, in a minute, but I just want to get your take. Do you have any ideas on how to attract more women? Uh, to this business? So, you know, I, I 
think a lot of women don't realize that they are actually mechanically inclined. Um, you know, I notice a lot of things that women do where they work with their hands, but then they still say that they're not mechanically inclined. I wish I knew the answer to that. I actually yeah. have a woman apprentice right now, and she actually found me. Um, okay. She sought me out. Um, and, you know, I have thought about whether there are ways to encourage more women to get into the trades but to be honest I think it's hard in general just to get young people interested in the trades right. seems like everyone wants to work in the tech sector right now so right. I, I wish I had a good answer for you there you know I was thinking a little bit about it in the sense that I I think you're an initiator I think what you've told us so far is you don't wait for something to happen you initiate and I think if people realize, particularly women, realize that they could initiate something like this, that, that it, there might be more people, more women in the trades. Yeah. Well, one thing about that is, I, you know, I think that my being out there, you know, working in the trades, being a business owner um, and having people see that, I hope, um, is right. one small way of letting women know that this is something they can do. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. I don't have a big social media presence, you know, <laughs> to say, hey, look, you know, babes in the trades or something. But <laughs> I just, I just do. I'm, my su thing. I'm surprised you even said that. <laughs> I'm sorry. I do. I see these things and I just, you know, I, I do roll my eyes a little bit. But um, yeah. I, I like to think that just my being out there will sort of influence that into the future. Yeah. So here we are now. Are you still um, out in the field? Uh, you know, stringing wires, running wires. Yeah. So I, you know, I don't really have time to be on site anymore. There are so many aspects of the business that need my attention. Um, so fortunately, I have a crew that I trust, and we have good communication amongst ourselves. Um, it's it's not an easy transition to make no, from being in the yeah. field. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's this thing in your head where you might be thinking, am I even legitimate anymore if I'm not, you know, holding tools all the time, but there, there is so much to running a business that I'm, I'm still learning, you know, learning how to delegate, um, learning how to just, you know, keep jobs coming in and getting them to the finish line. Uh, yeah. So I, I do, I am still very involved in all of our jobs. I, I know what's going on across the board and I, I visit them and I communicate with the clients, but I am not really doing the hands-on work on site anymore. Yeah. Well, it sounds like you still have a, an excitement of growing the business, even if you're not, you know, tool belt, tools in hand. Because uh, that's, you know, that's a big piece of it. People feel like they're going to lose an aspect of uh, what they're doing when they're not using their hands. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm very exciting. much still excited about it. Yeah. Cool. All right. So we, we need to wrap this up. But as we're kind of wrapping up here, Isabella, a golden nugget that you would give to anybody out there that's thinking like, I want to be a homo. I mean, a business owner. I've I've been you know, pulling wire, I've been running plumbing, I've been banging nails. I want to be a business owner like Isabella. Golden nugget of uh, advice for them. 
Uh, I would say be realistic about how organized you are, because if you're not organized, it's going to be difficult and expensive. Um, <laughs> and make make a lot of lists and use them. And lastly, don't be afraid to seek out help um, from you know a business coach somewhere like the Remodelers Advantage or elsewhere, because yeah. there's there's a lot of information that you might not know, and there are people who can help. Well, I'll just say it again. I really appreciate your taking some time today to be with us. This has been exciting for me. It's been fun. I feel like I want to come out to California and visit with you sometime. And, <laughs> Please uh, do. Just uh, maybe go for a hike or something like that. That yeah. would be a lot of fun. So thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank and you I, so much. I, I appreciate it. I want to suggest we do an episode on Just Search and Rescue if Tim will let us do it. Sure, we can do just, that. Just search and rescue stories. That, <laughs> that would more. be fun. That would be great fun. Thank you Thank so you. much. Take care. Thank you. Tim, this was, uh, I mean, everything, this episode had everything for me. I mean, you have a person that's, um, you know, happens to be a woman who is just doing fantastic things in her business, in the industry. And uh, like you said, I mean, she's somebody that has the initiative to just do what she feels she wants to do. Yeah, I, I wrote that point. down as we were talking. I just wrote that down because what she was saying was, I looked around, I saw what I wanted, both in the search and rescue, the mountain bikes, the you know electrical contractor. And then when she was introduced to an electrical contractor, she said, hey, do you need an apprentice? In other words, yeah. I'm eager, I'm ready, I'm, I'm, I'm game. And that's what that's what makes a good business owner because they have to have that sense of, I wanna move somewhere, I wanna go somewhere, I'm not content with where I am. And that's a big part of, uh, at least it feels to me like that's a big part of who she is. Well, she, was, she had been thinking about carpentry or, or cabinet maker, and then she took advantage of an opportunity. That's the yeah. big piece. And yeah. then she, make, she makes things happen. It's just, so, so the other simple. thing, I just got to use this verbiage because I, I loved it when she said it. She said, I like to untie the knots. Mm -hmm. and, and I thought, and, and she, she, you know, keyed it more over to electrical, but isn't that business? Isn't yeah. that the people who have done really well in business, in production management, in job site, running job sites, they're the people who can who take the time to untie the knots without making a bigger mess because we've yeah. all had that, that spool of wire or that rope or that chalk line or whatever it is, it gets tangled up. And if you just keep getting frustrated, it just gets worse. But if you take time to untie those knots, things get better. So I think yeah. I thought that was a great analogy uh, that she brought up for us. Yeah, well, um, I, I think I wouldn't be surprised if Isabella finds her way back onto the show because this was <laughs> incredibly fantastic. And once again, we want to thank Isabella Badig for coming on to the Tim Fowler Show. We want you to we want to show appreciation to all of the listeners of the Tim Fowler Show. And remember, at the Tim Fowler Show, we're really working hard to eliminate that nasty little phrase. It is what it is from your vocabulary. This has been another episode of The Tim Fowler Show. Want to hire Tim and fast track your growth? 
Visit remodelersadvantage.com slash consulting to learn more. And if you'd like more information about Roundtables, our world-class peer advisory program, please send me an email at steve at remodelersadvantage.com. And of course, don't forget to subscribe to the show and comment on iTunes. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.